Pelotero Pickle, episode 43. We are going in on sticky substances. Also, quick shout outs to Fairfield, James Madison, the NCAA attorneys. But this is all about sticky stuff. Check it out. Pelotero Pickle, episode 43. It is Sunday, June 6th. We're recording a little bit earlier this week. Uh, Chris is actually in town. He's over there. Chris, if you don't like that, I'm over there. Uh, So we're doing like a dual room setup here down here at our corporate office. Uh, Just a quick reminder, if you have topics for us, pickle at pelotero.com. That's our mailbag. Send us your topics. We want to hear from you. Send us your topics. Pickle at pelotero.com. Chris, how are you doing today? Oh, Robert. You're in that room. I'm in this room. Have you mentally recovered from me beating you in golf yesterday? There was nothing to recover from. I just putt too much. I didn't make any putts until the last one. I think you legitimately had 40 putts yesterday. Yeah. Ball striking. Not your best putting effort. Immaculate ball striking. Poor putting. I like to just do it, everything in one round, one time. All of them. And this is the second straight round I've played with one golf ball. Proud. Yeah, yeah, I I think I lost four golf balls at least. Uh, yeah, but I still beat you, so I got that going for me. Uh, let's jump right into the topics. Well, first, before we get into the topics, I need to shout out Fairfield, the Stags, Coach Courier, my former uh, college coach who's now at, at Fairfield. Uh, they just knocked out Arizona State today. They had them on the ropes on Friday night. They were up uh, up up two in the eighth. Let the game kind of slip away from them. Then they came back. They beat Southern, and then they beat Arizona State today. They're playing Texas tonight for the uh, regional final. They got to beat them twice, which is tall order. But quick shout out to Coach Courier and his guys. Pretty gritty team. We went to the game on Friday, and uh, fun fun team to watch. They just competed the whole night. The left fielder made a pretty big play late. And took a just a horrendous route to a fly ball, but he ended up making the play. Definitely saved the game for Arizona State. But just shout out to those guys. They would have had to beat Texas twice, no matter what, because if they had won the first one against Arizona State, then they would have had to beat them yesterday and, you know, then beat them again in the finals, probably. But it'll be fun, man. They're, they're a really cool team to watch. They, they just they compete. They don't go away. Shortstop's really good. Guerrero, kid. Huge at bat today. Three-run homer. Stags, man. It's fun when people are asking, where's Fairfield from? And you say, oh, I know, it's from Connecticut. But uh, it was always it was interesting to me watching it. You got Arizona State guys decked out in their gear, wearing four different uniforms in four games, three different uniforms in three games. Fairfield's got guys wearing New Balance shoes and Under Armour batting gloves, and it's all different. It's awesome. They're they're just really good. They they outplayed Arizona State both games, which is cool. Um, so it's like uh, you know, I mean, they were obviously really good. They won. 37 games, I think, off of 37 and two or whatever it was, or 36 and two in the regular season, plus the conference tournament. They're good, man. They're good. They're a good team. Yeah, they they are used to winning baseball games. They're not used to losing baseball games. And they just they don't go away. Guerrero had that big three-run homer today on the street. Uh, yeah, good for them. Happy for them. Um, any other NCAA stuff you want to touch on? The the woman's side we'll get into we'll get into that a little bit later uh fun to watch though any other florida i think was the biggest uh letdown of the tournament they lost their number one seed and they lost the first limited game they lost their first game they they lost like 19 to 1 against south alabama i believe just got spanked absolutely spanked and they were they lost to south florida and then south florida beat miami to go to the championship round um yeah not a good showing from a one seed when you're hosting pretty sure they're hosting yeah, that sounded about right. Chuck, former teammate Chuck Jerallman, assistant coach at Florida. I get to wear him out now. <laughs> Talk to him about that. Uh, all right, let's jump into the uh, the biggest story in baseball right now, which should it even be a story. There's a big article that came out on Sports Illustrated, MLB sticky situation. We I feel like we talk about this every week, but this article is just like over the top. It's just way over the top. Um, I did the, I did the whole, uh, floor ceiling thing. I think two weeks ago now, um, you have some pretty strong opinions about this. So I'm ex- excited to get into your thoughts. 
the one thing that I think both of us keep going back to is the best hitters are still hitting. So this, I mean, some of the wording in this article was absurd, like impossible to hit and like just way too far. Uh, but like Vladdy Jr., he don't care about no sticky situation. He's still hitting. Uh, Ronald Acuna is still hitting. Juan Soto still hitting. Like these guys, like the best hitters are still hitting. It's just, yeah, thoughts. I am astounded at how far this has gone, but I shouldn't be because this is a very typical MLB thing to do is once there's enough noise on the other side from both sides, I guess, from the fans, from the players, then all of a sudden MLB decides to react. And now you've got umpires are going to be checking players gloves. And, you know, when they come out of games, they said, don't find it surprising to, if you know, you see eight to 10 glove checks per game. Let me tell you something. People have been putting sticky stuff on their fingers for probably the better part of a hundred years. And everybody's known about it. People have talked about it openly, but right now it is just, you know, catching everybody's attention. And it's probably because the league's hitting 237, which is terrible. I, I, I understand having sticky stuff on your hands. I can't tell you how many times I literally handed a pine tar rag to one of my pitchers. I literally handed, like, brought down the rosin pine tar. I watched guys in the clubhouse shave their arms, cover it in sunblock and rosin and whatever other sticky crap. Like, and every hitter just understood that it was happening and, frankly, probably didn't care. The, the, the problem right now is we're literally throwing four-seam fastballs, and that's what people are complaining about. They're complaining about four-seam fastballs because the spin on four-seam fastballs, guys are swinging under the ball and striking out a ton. And because of that, and a combination of a million other factors, guys using more breaking stuff early in counts or like breaking ball usage is higher. Um, people aren't hitting the ball the other way, shifts, uh, all this stuff. And apparently this is going to be the thing that catches everybody's attention. MLB's made it abundantly clear that they want more offense in the game, which is why I don't understand in the first place why they changed the ball again, right? It's pretty clear that they changed the ball again there's a million different factors for why this is happening, but the predominant reason is hitters are stinking, right? Nobody's making any adjustments. Hitters aren't making any adjustments. All right, so let's uh, let's break it down a little bit. I think uh, the ability to measure spin now is a big reason why this is all happening. So if it's like, what's the, what's the cliche quote? If you want to improve something, measure it, or if you want to whatever, make a change, measure it some cliche quote about that. So now we know, and in this article, they got this huge chart about percent increase or spin rate. And the Dodgers have a 7% increase in spin rate, 2,400 to 2,569. Nice spin rate by the Dodgers on average. And if, I mean, there's, there's been different articles where guys have tested this, where they try out all the different substances it's more, it's, I think to me, it's still just a combination of, of factors here where guys are improving their velocity better than ever before. They're understanding how to utilize their spin better than ever, ever before. And whatever substance they're using is increasing their spin enough to make it even more effective. The, uh, the quotes in here from uh, Charlie Blackman, where he's talking about like, I need to swing where the ball, where my eyes don't work the way they used to basically he's needing to swing where above or below where he thinks the ball would end up just to get a hit and or just to make contact he said he actually said it's hard not to strike out right now sick of the uh the whole like everybody's trying to hit a homer theory i think there is some truth to that i think there are guys with kind of very one-dimensional style swings right now but I mean, where's the line where like if if Major League Baseball doesn't step in and this is like the argument for like a universal sticky stuff, if, which I thought the rosin bag was there for that. I thought that's what that was uh, like. How, how are they going to police that? How would they ever lock in a universal sticky substance that everybody has to use? It's just a, it's like an absurd thing to think could ever be enforced or applied to real life. My favorite quote from the article, meanwhile, as high-speed cameras and granular data have made it clear that doctoring the ball makes it almost impossible to hit, baseball has found itself 
dripping with sticky stuff. If it was impossible to hit, nobody would hit. There are guys that are hitting plenty. Vlad Guerrero's on pace to have probably the best offensive year that anybody's had in the last, I don't know, 10, 20, maybe, since like very, like Barry Bonds. Uh, is that fair to say? I mean, he has a very real chance of LPSing 1,200. I mean, what, are, like, I don't, Hitting has always been about counteracting what the pitchers are doing. And I completely understand. Like, Blackman's take, okay, stuff's moving a lot. Sure, guys are nastier. Sure. I mean, like, when you're struggling as a hitter, like, Charlie Blackman, like, yep, like, two years ago or last year, they were talking about him hitting 400. Literally, they were talking about him having a chance to hit 400. And then he went on, like, this massive downturn that saw him almost not hit 300. So, I, I don't – I don't really understand the log the logic behind it a lot of it. I don't I don't understand what hitters are upset about. There are plenty of dudes that are throwing 91 that don't have sick movement. Like I watch it on TV. For a hundred years, baseball has been about hitters learning to figure out what pitchers were gonna to try to do to them and then figuring out how to compete within it. I think hitters are doing a poor job of counteracting what pitchers are doing right now. Um should it be illegal to your point? Like about, I don't, how are you going to police it? Like, what, what are we talking about? I mean, you know, there were a couple of years ago, was it Pineda had pine tar all over his neck. Right. And like, that's again, for a hundred years, that was the only reason you got th thrown out of a game was when the other team called somebody on it. It, it. Calling it the new steroid era is ridiculous. How about like even calling like, I have so many opinions about all of this and I don't almost care to share them because people don't like, they don't want to learn about stuff. Nobody actually wants to educate themselves about things. It's the same thing. Like, like you're suspending guys, you're suspending players for doing nothing. Right. Because you want to give the appearance that you care about players cheating when three quarters of the leagues on amphetamines probably are at least half. Right. And have TUEs for it or whatever. Like you want to, and now you want to enforce this thing about sticky stuff on the hands because people aren't hitting enough and everybody's complaining about it. Bad hitters aren't hitting. Good hitters are still hitting. Maybe get more good hitters in the game. Maybe don't have so many bad hitters in the game. Like maybe guys like me should still have a job. Maybe guys like Jose Bautista should still have a job. There's so many free agent guys that are gone from the game. It was for, like forever. Veteran players kept their place in the game because they always said, like, young players needed at-bats. They needed time to learn how to play in the big leagues. They needed time. Like, when you bring up guys that nobody knows about that have never been there, Jared Kelnick right now is on, like, a – what? He's, like, eight for the season. Eight for 82, I think, since he's been up or something he like was, that. Uh, he's 0 for his – going into last night – after last night, I think he was 0 for his last 38. Yeah. Haven't checked the box court today. It's, like, eight for 80-something, Right. Like the guy can be the best prospect this side of the Mississippi. It took Vlad a minute to get to get right in the big leagues, right? Bo was probably the only one that came up and just, you know, was doing it right away. Like Acuna and Tati, special cats, right? Like special, special cats. They're they're not a dime a dozen. Not all prospects are built like that. Like these guys were born superstars. Juan Soto, born superstars. Like there's like five of those guys a generation, right? And I just probably named five of them. Like, and we're trying to bring these other kids up and like have them hit against pitchers when they don't know how to develop plans and hitting They They don't know how to counteract guys that are throwing really nasty stuff. Like the game has shifted so much where pitchers are completely okay with like throwing ball one and throwing ball four on three, two, like they're much, they're going after strikeouts because they think they can get them. They're not pitching to contact anymore. So pitchers, hitters need to build separate plans. I completely understand Charlie Blackman's position. That's a guy whose opinion I respect because he's a guy that's been in the big leagues for a long time and done it. I, you know, I, don't, I think he's being a little extreme in his quote. Like he's like, I'm swinging to an area and, and the ball's ending up somewhere different. I mean, I don't know. I think it's a little exaggerated. Have I heard stuff about like, there was some special sticky stuff coming out of the, uh, like the Astros training room yeah or whatever it was whatever clubby room whatever you want to call it um has that stuff made its way around sure i mean is there any substance on earth that can really affect pitchers ability that much to make them monumentally better than what they are i don't know I, I, so let me let me ask you this 
this, it, what, at what point would it need to get to for you? Like if you were still playing at the major league level, at what point would you start to say, Hey, this is, this is out of hand. Is there, or would you just keep your mouth shut and compete? If, if the best hitters in the game were, were hitting 280 every year, if the best hitters in the game were hitting 270, like every year, somebody's hitting 330, 340, like it's still happening. And people want to say batting average doesn't matter or whatever. Like, again, I think that the, the emphasis on the fact that making it out is much more acceptable in the eyes of, of the offense. It's much more acceptable. Like hitters are being taught that making it out is okay if they make it on proper terms. And like, it's just backwards, right? They're telling guys, Hey, keep hitting the ball hard into the pull side shift, dude, you're out, you're out. Like the name of the game is getting on first base. Like at what point would it change? Like, when I saw the best hitters not be able to do the things that they do guys like David Fletcher strike out like 25 times a year, right? Like the guys that, that are the lowest strikeout guys are like 30, 40, 50 strikeouts a year. It's still like that. Those parts are still the same. So if the best guys are doing it, why aren't we holding ourselves to those standards as, as the other hitters, the worst hitters, the second tier, third tier, fourth tier guys, right? If striking out's a problem, stop striking out, figure out how to put balls in place sooner, figure out how to stay on top, hit balls on the ground. Get back to punching balls through the shift. Like, there, there's simple ways to, to counteract what the pitchers are doing. It's, it's a choice at this point not to. Cedric, Rosenthal wrote the article about Cedric Mullins. Cedric Mullins is doing things differently. Nobody's bunting for a hit anymore. Cedric Mullins is beating shifts, hitting 300. That's changing his confidence. It's changing his ability to get things done. You watch it in the college game right now. Guys bunting for hits. Guys hitting and running, moving runners. You remember when the hit and run and the butcher boy were, were things that you used to do to like get a guy that was struggling going because you had a chance to take thought away from him. Instead, now everybody's thinking about like, how do I put my A swing on this guy's pitch? Like, no, how about we, we take the thinking out of it? I was watching I was watching the Cardinals and the Dodgers the other night. The kid uh, playing shortstop for the Cardinals is uh, Edmundo Sosa because DeJong's out. Sosa was like, oh, for his last 24. Runner, runners on first and second or whatever it was in extra innings or just runner on second, sorry. And uh they had, they put the bun on and he, he messed it up the first time. And then with two strikes, he ended up butcher blank. So he pulled it back and swung. Guess what he did? Got a hit. Weird. Like took an 0 for 24, turned it into a hit. Like that's playing baseball. Managers having enough feel to talk to their guys, understanding when their players are struggling and they need just to take the thinking out of it. Like I talked to a million college kids about hitting. I talked to a million pro kids about hitting. There's too much thought about the swing and nobody's thinking about how to counteract what pitchers are doing. That's my opinion. Like, is six years ago too long ago to say that, like, we're still really, like, pretty close? Like, guys haven't gotten that much better in six years? Like, yeah, it's tough. They're big league pitchers. They've always been big league pitchers. They've always been better than everybody else. I don't know. Call me crazy, man. Uh, whatever. Uh, it's, not, it's not my battle to fight, but I just get tired of, like, people making excuses. It seems just like excuses for everything. Should pitchers put sticky stuff on their hands? Probably not. But, like, if they're going to throw balls in guys' ear holes or people are going to get Kevin Pillard, like, then I'd much rather they have sticky crap on their hand. Like, the whole thing that hitters said forever is, like, I'd rather the guy knows where it's going because I don't want to get I don't want to get ear holed. Ask Kevin Pillard if he'd rather, like, the guy knew where his heater was going. So that, that argument I hear a lot about the pitchers not knowing where the ball's going, is it because the major league ball is that slippery now? Where, where does that come from? Slippery. Brand new balls are always slippery. Like, yeah, but they, they're supposed to put the mud on. They get that special rub that they put on. The mud, the, the rub is, it's just, it's still slick. Brand new ball still slick. You pick one up, you threw the home run derby. Like if your palms aren't sweaty, if your palms aren't sweaty, knees, weak, arms, and heavy. I heard that song yesterday. But if, if you don't have a little tack on your hand, if your hands aren't wet, that ball gets slick. If you have dry skin, right? All the balls get slick. So... Again, like, I mean, changing spin rates by, I, I don't know what the difference between five, 500 RPMs is. I Like, I don't know what that translates into for my eyeballs. Like people- 500, are, 500 is a lot. 500 on four seam. Okay. If you have good spin access, yeah, sure. that's like probably two inches of lift. But what matters is what, what perceived difference is to me, right? Like what perceived difference is to me. Now, if I know after the first four seamer that a guy throws me that that's what it looks like, then I have to swing above the ball. Right. Like I, I would want to see the difference between two to 500 RPMs. Like, like, let's go run that test. And I'll tell you what the difference is. It looks like to me. I always used to tell people 
the only way I knew if a guy was throwing hard was after my first swing. If I like swung underneath a fastball, a four seam fastball, and didn't get to it, like because I watched from the side and I, I'd be like, well, it might be ninety five, it might be eighty five, it might be. I, I, I couldn't tell. I like watching it from the side. I could never tell. And obviously, the guys that had a little bit of carry, like that, that made an impact. Um, you know, again. I think going to the automated strike zone would make it even worse, by the way, like make, just FYI, because now guys are going to get away with pitches where they don't hit their spots. It's, I can't believe my tweet didn't get more attention the other day. The guy, no uh, attention. That's we got no love. Will Smith set up at the top of the zone. The dude threw it right down the middle, like bottom of the zone, right down the middle ball. And it should be a ball because he missed his spot. He didn't deserve that pitch. He didn't earn it. Like, he didn't earn that pitch. Hit a spot, bro. Like you're trying to throw it up here, throw it up there. The, the, I think it's all this huge conundrum. I think obviously people talking about it on social media, I'm sure MLB has detect, detective teams that are seeing what the volume of traffic is on sticky balls on social media. Balls have been sticky for like the last five years. It's like, it's, it's an institutional failure because like they've let people get away with it. Now you're going to just hold the guys. It's such a double standard. It's so hypocritical. It's like, whatever now just scapegoat players that's what it is just go scapegoat players that's what they've done forever i thought it was crazy too they they was it the cardinals player it was like a, a rookie that just like made him change his hat i thought that was kind of bs where there's guys every single night literally every single night they're they're fingering at the inside of the thumb of the glove or they're grabbing no, their hat and they make the whole hat moves play. and they make the uh they make the the rookie switch his hat out Weird. It's like, well, just do it to everybody. Either do it to everybody or do it to nobody. You can't just pick and choose and make it random. And the whole uh, – the the part where they were talking about they're going to bring in gloves for inspection and, and check foul balls and all this stuff. The, the quote in the article, I, I want to know what they meant by when it said it ripped three inches of seams off the ball. Like, what, what does that mean? It's typical exaggerated fake news. There's no scenario in which three inches of seams came off the ball when it got through it. Like the, unless, the, unless the ball was actually just cut, in exactly, which case, that completely exactly. sticky stuff. No, like we're talking about, like I got a ball right here. We're talking about like you touch the ball and it ripped off the ball, like the seam ripped. Is that what they were trying to imply? That's absurd. Uh, mean, uh, but they were saying that they could see like the fingerprints in the ball, like from the fingerprint thing. I get because again, with the mud on the ball already, like the mud that's rubbed into the kicked in those balls makes them pretty dark, right? So they already get dark. So now if you just happen to get like something sticky on it, it's going to peel it off. Like, and this ball, this ball, this is, this ball is still pretty slick. This is a fresh hundred years ball from Fenway. You see that hundred year ball. So that's a uh, 2012 baseball. Still pretty slick. No, this ball has not been mudded though. No mud on this ball. I need to rub it in. So I never, I never had an issue with the slickness because I was a big sweater. I was always sweating. I had to like rub my hands in the dirt to get my hands to not be sweaty. So I could always just like, you know, rub my forearm. I didn't even need to rub my forearm. I just take my hand out and it's just had, had ample amounts of sweat and grip. So I never really had an issue with that. Uh, never really used rosin other than to like be cool when I got like the cheap, like Easton rosin bag when I was like 10 years when old, you went to the bouncing it, bouncing on my hand. <laughs> went to the pitcher's mound to like talk to the pitcher and like you had to pretend you were doing something that was more important while you were there just to like calm them down. You just went picked up the rosin, flipped it over, hit it on the back of your hand. I, I never – I hated rosin. I hated that feeling on my bare hands. I, I hated it because it's like made it tacky and sticky and whatever. I just I, – I certainly understand when your hand is slick what it would feel like to throw a ball. Like I've, I've been there because it happens to me in basketball. Like when I play basketball, my hands aren't big enough and my hands are cold. When my hands are cold, they get really slippery. So I always like, you know, that powder that, uh, that like LeBron throws up in there, that's actually sticky powder. It's a, it's a Mueller like sticky powder. Right. And they used to have it. I remember Daryl Dawkins used to use it all the time when he played in Italy for my dad's team. I think this is all hogwash. I, the question I have is whether MLB actually likes the fact that people talk about it good or bad. Right. Like it was like, I heard a story way back when Tom Brady was getting suspended, right? And it was they did they waited till after the Super Bowl, they waited till the offseason because then everybody was still talking about the NFL. And if they're talking about the NFL, it's good for the industry because people then are going to go look up articles, they're going to want to watch the games, they're going to want to hear the the stories. So are the stories good for MLB? Like, is MLB at the end of the day accomplishing its goal of just being relevant? 
because let's face it, you know, like numbers have been going down or whatever. And they're like, from what I understand, they're back this year a little bit. Um, cause people, I don't know, missed going to games or whatever it may be. Um, I don't know. I, I just, I still, I still think, I don't know, for a hundred years, we counteracted what the best pitchers were doing. They're not superhuman. Like I'm telling you, they're not superhuman. Not every guy throws 95. Like it's, I've watched the games. They're not all throwing a hundred. I, I know like it feels like they are. Cause there's plenty of them. I saw a reliever come in the other day. It was like 91. And I was like, Oh, all right. Those guys still exist. i tell you what, the, if the pirates had a bunch of guys that were throwing a hundred, they, they wouldn't be whatever. 20 and 40 or whatever they are. I don't think they're 20 and 40. Whatever. I was exaggerating. 23 and 35. So, uh, so I'm still curious, and I, I doubt I'll get a clear answer from you about where the line is with this stuff. So, I don't think there is a line. You, so you can they can just use whatever they want? There's no, uh, there's no end in sight? When somebody proves to me, that we're putting a superhuman substance on a guy that will literally allow no one to hit ever, then cool. Like if it's taking a guy who's like a high school pitcher at best and making him um, a, like a Hall of Famer, then like, okay, that's the line. Okay, so let's look at it from a – because when the steroid era was happening, one of the, one of the biggest arguments was that they were taking jobs away from people. And whether it was a, a younger guy that was – taking stuff to enhance her performance, to get onto the roster or an older guy taking stuff to stay on the roster. Where is the line with that? Because if the whole idea here is a, is a level playing field and one guy's using the substance that makes their pitches perform in a way that increases their opportunity to be successful. Again, if you take, if you take steroids, it doesn't guarantee anything. You still hit. You still argue, how can any of those arguments be proved out? Like that's what I understand. So in theory, like obviously your situation aside, because your situation is this whole bogus. Ignore ignore your situation, because it's not. Right, I'm not yeah, I'm not. I don't consider. Obviously, I don't consider my situation. Yeah. But what Twitter. My, my point is, some, how some can, dude like, Nathan's gonna say something on Twitter. So Nathan, shut your pie hole. Yeah, Get your hands on Twitter. Enjoy, dude. Like you're doing a great yeah. job with your 114 followers or whatever. Listen, yeah. The, um, Wait. But like if from a level playing field standpoint, if it's, if that's the purpose and let's say like, cause I even look at like youth baseball and it's like, we got performance enhancing bats. We got performance enhancing insoles for shoes. There's a company that advertises you can run two tenths of a second faster. If you buy their $270 insoles, like what are we, where is the line for all of this stuff? What I'm saying to you and what I'll continue to say is because we can never clone, right? To our world and put it directly alongside with the one that exists and alter one little detail we have no way of knowing like we have no way of knowing in the steroid era if you know whoever like and i'll just like the rant like the, the, the like the guys that ended up having like forearms like this and and shoulders like that like did it ultimately really impact those guys ability to stay in the game for 10 years we can presume that it did and logically speaking, like, yeah, probably, but I, there's no way of me knowing. Like, I, I'm trying to think of like a, a good example. Like, and I would let never... me, okay, I, I, have, I have a couple of examples. Uh, in running, Nike came out with a pair of shoes that had like a metal plate in them that yeah. like increased like the rebound effect. And it was like it transferred energy better and it allowed guys to run faster. And they, those shoes were banned in swimming they started wearing like the full leggings and the full suits increased buoyancy and world records were just dropping like crazy because swimmers didn't have to spend their energy staying afloat. They could just skim top to water. So they banned things in those sports, uh, in horse racing, the guy who the Kentucky Derby, whatever this, the guy with the white hair that wins all the races just got banned for two years from whatever, because his horse tested positive for steroids. So like, what if we do it? Like where it's just, so if in track and field, they can ban certain equipment because it's performance enhancing and swimming, you can't wear certain swimsuits because the buoyancy of the suit is too much and horse racing, you can't take steroids. Like if like, it's, it's not natural to this, the substance that they're putting on their fingers is a, it's a non-natural thing that they're using 
like whether it increases performance or hurts performance, like anything that's not natural to me is bad. Like so you shouldn't be able to do it. Nothing. So, like, but then it's like, okay, so like hyperbaric chambers aren't natural. So yeah. like when Terrell oh, Owens was like, suit up either. Chicken, that protein, protein powder is not natural either. Like, uh, right. so where's the, where's the line? Like, oh, hey, it's got an NSF logo. Like, dude, like all these arguments, like there's so much gray area and there's so like there's so much like let's look the other way for this thing and let's not look the way the other way for this thing and at the end of the day like it's all about optics right it's all about hey like how do the fans perceive us so that we can make the most money like how how do the like it's 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 capitalism at its at its finest right and bureaucracy at its finest because they have this like uncanny ability to just deflect all the blame onto the players which is so asinine like the fact that the fact that like Rafael Palmero and Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa caught crap for what happened and like Barry Bonds caught crap for what happened is abysmal because they brought baseball back. I've said this before, like, like scapegoating individuals and making them like the, the, you know, the, the, the black hole in the game. It's such a joke. And the fact that like our society wants to hop on the wagon, like that makes you a sheep. If you fall into that category of like, like let's blame those guys. You're a sheep because you're just listening to everything you're being told, and I can't stand it. Like because I've been on the other side of it, I, and I've I've been a fan and I've been a player, and I guess I'm still a fan and I'm probably still partially still a player. I got caught in uh, the the biggest circle of doom that was the stupidest thing ever, and I got thrown out of the game. And anybody that doesn't get to play this game or get to be a part of it. Like they can never possibly understand what it's like until they have something similar happen to themselves. Like to, to not, you just, you have no perspective. Are there bad people out there doing bad things? Absolutely. Sure. It happens everywhere. It will happen for the rest of time. For the rest of time, there will always be bad people doing bad things. There will always be criminals in society that are trying to stay ahead of the police and they'll always stay ahead of the police. Like the issue, Bobby, is like, we keep trying to have these like governing bodies, like catch up. Like you have to catch up to what criminals are doing, right? As, as the cops. And if you have to do that, you're always going to be behind. So then you're going to start really like doing things that on the surface you think are good. Like, are we literally going to check every pitcher's fingers before they pitch? Is that what we're going to do? We're going to like go into the insides of their pants and like check all the old traditional ways. And then you know what, Bobby, they're going to find another way to cheat. They're going to find another way to do it. Like there will always be somebody on the other side of it. Like, so it's either everything or nothing. And if it's everything, like at some point, like, and it's probably already happening, you're like taken away from what the game is meant to be. Like, you can just let people play. Like, don't you want to see the best players in the world doing the best things? Is that not what we're trying to do? That part of the issue to me is what I'm telling you is like the best players in the world aren't all in the big league right now. They're not like, you don't have all the best players in the world. You have a, like some, and then like a bunch of other dudes. How do you really feel about it, though? If we really get down to it, how do you I feel like I have a man body at 37 years old, and I like it. Yeah, it plays. It plays. I just, yeah, I, there's. I agree, completely agree with you that there's no way to truly police this stuff or ever like prevent it from happening, um, because you're not dealing with a group of 100% morally, like moral people that are just gonna like always follow the rules and always play nice. It's competitive. It's cutthroat. It's that's never going to change with the game. So people are going to try to find ways to get on top of it. And what, the reward like, is the reward is worth it for them. The real question is the real question is like, where is the line of the moral compass and where does it have to get drawn? Right? Like, where is the, you know, what, like what background did you grow up in? And I, we've talked about this before, right? Like where as a human, as an individual, like, when at, like when you turn around and other people are doing stuff and you're like trying to compete at that level, like I, I've used the gladiator reference before, right? Like did the, like sport is modern day's reflection of war. So like, <laughs> there's like a, a, a cliche line. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying, right? Like where, where is that line? Where is that line always going to be? You watch boxers in the ring, right? They're getting, they're about to get broken up and they, you know, they give a, a right to the ribs to the guy, right? Like they're in the little, uh, you know, what do they call it? Uh, scrum, grapple. Uh, clench or hold. Clench, yeah, clench. You're in a clench. Happens all the time. Guys like throw a little, throw a little punch, 
right? Uh, you know, track stars trying to get off before the the gun, and uh, you know, like uh, obviously, like it, it, you're trying, like you're always trying to be the if the people that are trying to be the best are trying to be the best more often than not, and if they find a way to potentially get an advantage, they're going to that like that's been the name of sport forever. At where's the moral line? Like I I don't know. Like somebody says like, like you said it before like like these shoes could be like a PED like or performance enhancer whatever like chicken could be a performance enhancer like babe ruth used to eat hot dogs and drink whiskey like now people eat grilled chicken and quinoa is that a performance enhancer quinoa <laughs> i just pictured babe ruth like sitting down to a nice plate of steamed broccoli and quinoa <laughs> yeah, he's like nah let me hit that hot dog over there dog like it, bobby when push comes to shove and i say this all the time like i the mind is the most powerful tool. Like if you're an athlete, you just need your mind. And like all these things that we're talking about, they're, they're what give players peace of mind and, and the ability to perform, right? Like you get used to performing in a certain way. You build a routine, you do certain things a certain way. And your brain, like your brain tells you whether or not it's good. Like you're doing the things you need to do to be successful, right? Like, do you need to tie your shoes and double knots every day to feel like you're going to get hits? Like, if you believe that in your head, then yeah, you do. Like if you believe that you need to lift a lot of weights to get hits, then you do. Like it, it's, it's part of routines. It's part of like the, 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 it, that's human nature, right? Like, like Crash Davis said it, player that's on a streak that believes he's on a streak for a certain reason is on a streak for that reason. Like, uh, the, well, you just brought up, uh, you just brought up the, the brain being the most powerful tool. that being the most powerful tool and the thing that matters the most. How about like Adderall? Like that's like this so simple. Like if Adderall is allowed in schools and like I could study for my, my to, to pass the bar exam to become a lawyer, go to the MCAT to become a doctor and I can take Adderall. Like, isn't that a performance? That's not non-natural drug that you take to make your brain fire in a completely different way. Like that's scary. And half of major league baseball is taking. I would like, I don't know if it's half, like I'm making that number up. Right. But I know that there's like an ample amount of dudes that are taking some sort of amphetamine in the big leagues and like aren't ADD or ADHD or whatever you want to call it. Right. Like, so, I mean, like, dude, look, like you play 162 game season. Like if you need an amphetamine, like, like, cool, man. Like be my guest. Like, I didn't, I just drank coffee and like it's coffee. It's like, it's coffee, it's caffeine performance enhancer. Like at what point? It's a stimulant. I think, I think, it, I think there's a threshold. If you drink like six cups or nine cups or something like that, it's there, there is a level that you can, but at that point your heart's probably in bad shape. So you shouldn't do that. I never, so I never, I never, I've never had Adderall live dance, like any of that stuff. I never tried it. Uh, but I, I would have friends tell me that they could stay up for like 48 hours and like bang through their finals in, sc in school and like study for their tests and write papers and stuff like that. And they just said, like, they, they locked it in. Like, they would just be like, like completely locked in. So like, how is that not more important than, you know, what the dudes are doing? So they, my Adderall story is, uh, I, I knew kids at my school that had a prescription for Adderall and sold them. So for their beer money or whatever they were using the cash for, but they would sell them to people to study for exams and like finals. They're like, Oh, I had to get my prescription refilled so I can make some money. I think it was like one for seven, two for 10 was like the going rate for Adderall. It's like, okay, this was happening like during the steroid era. Like when I pretty sure I remember flying on jet blue to florida for our one of our spring break trip spring break trips and like it was the palmero was on you know the congress floor is doing i didn't i didn't do whatever whatever it said but it was like such a i almost wrote a, a story an article for the the school paper i just i felt compelled to i probably should have about like the hypocrisy of the whole thing where it's like we've got major league baseball players doing things that st our students in this school are doing and nobody's like kids are getting into grad school based off the results of these tests. Kids are getting into med school, law school. Like th this is bad for the world and nobody cares. Happening every, un every university in the world is happening. Nobody so, cares. So Major League Baseball was mad that the Astros were stealing signs from their team, right? But now offense is way down in the big leagues. So they want to move the mound back and they want that like, and they want to, 
not allow pitchers to pick off. And like, think about how hypocritical this all is, right? So like MLB wants, needs offense, right? They need offense to make the game exciting accordingly, right? But like when the ball was juiced, there were too many home runs. So like now they unjuice the ball and now there's not enough offense. So they're like, let's move the mound back. Like you're literally like going this back and forth route instead of letting the game police itself. Like it all comes back to this Bobby forever baseball policed itself. Like you didn't need a governing body to tell you, yes, yes, yes. No, no, no. You slap on the wrist, do this, whatever. Like if people in the dugouts had a problem with it, they took care of it. But now you're not allowed to do those things when it all comes full circle. Like if we were, if this was 40 years ago, right? Let's just call it 40 years ago. And the Astros were stealing signs the way they were. And the other teams didn't like it. Those dudes were all getting drilled every game. Right. Would you agree with that? That fair to say? It, it would have it would have happened yeah. and there would have, like there would have been a couple brawls like Correa would have got punched in the face whatever and it would have kept happening until they were like you know what we probably shouldn't do that anymore well the, do you remember when uh getty told us a story about roger clemens there's one night one night in the clubhouse in 2006 getty came in he was telling a story about playing the royals i'll never forget this story because he, he was talking about how intimidating clemens was on the mound and they were relaying signs from second base and Clemens like stepped off the mound and was like, don't do that. And Getty could, he said he could see the white in the guy's eyes on second base because he was so wide eyed and scared. Um, but like, if they kept doing it, Clemens would have said something else. Like he, he handled it. He'd said, stop doing that. And they stopped. <laughs> we just live in a day and age where it's way easier to complain about something and try to get somebody else to do it for you. Like whatever, man, like I, you got a problem with something do something about it it's like the same this is like basic human nature like everybody wants to complain about stuff but they don't do anything about it like everybody's complaining 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 i don't like this i don't like that go do something about it you don't like it change it our forefathers didn't like the way they were being treated they broke away from england good for them like the greatest move in the world in the history of time that's what the united states was born off they didn't like the way they were being treated you don't like the way you're being treated? Go do something about it. Like, stop going to complain to somebody else about it. And then like, wah, like, it's just, it's, it's a very like, oh, feel bad for me generation. We're in a feel bad for me generation. And I, I feel, I hate saying it because there are certain people, that, there are certain sections of, of, of the public, like from a, from a social standpoint, like I feel bad for people that are incapacitated, people that have, you know, they grow up in poverty. Like we all, like you should feel bad for those people. But like, instead of like enabling people's ability to complain about things, like you should go help, you should go do something about it. You should go make a change, like, right? Make a change. Like everybody, everybody has certain things that are working against them in the world. Like everybody, every person has things working against them. Like, it just seems like it's much easier to hear the complaints about it. Like now it's just much easier to hear the complaint about this. Oh, the sticky stuff on the ball. Like, yeah, it sucks. Figure it out, dude. Go figure out how to hit better. Go figure out how to steal signs again. <laughs> what do you want me to tell you? Like, I don't, I, like, I don't know. It, it's, cat, it's been cat and mouse game for hundreds of years, and now we're just everything, like, hard line, hard line, hard line, and, and not letting the game be policed by itself. To me, that's, like, the biggest problem. Though. Yeah. That's good. I think we can move on from that topic. Cool. That's good. Uh, quick softball ncaa softball tournament stuff james madison upset oklahoma uh odyssey alexander i had no idea how to pronounce her name i was trying to figure it out i thought it was odici which could have been cool and that's what you thought too for the italian the double c there uh just an absolute beast she's awesome to watch big time competitor they lost today to them to force the elimination game alabama montana fouts with the uh uh 21st birthday, perfect game with 21 outs in the year 2021 and hadn't had a perfect game in 21 years at the uh, NCAA tournament, which is cool. It's a lot of 21s, but she was absolutely dominant, throwing like 73, 74. Big controversy in the softball world is they're throwing bullet spin or rifle spin risers, rise balls, 
And everybody's like, it's not a rise ball. It's a bullet spin, whatever. All the new age people are saying it's not a rise, but it's still a rise. It just has bullet spin. So everybody's freaking out. Another argument about nothing. Um, really fun to watch though. It's like, it's just like, it still goes up. Like now you just know what it's called. So like, you're not calling it a rise ball because it's, you're trying to be more accurate, but it's still a rise. Uh, so James Madison versus Oklahoma, Florida State versus Alabama. They both have to play the uh, if necessary games to get the the pooper get, get off the pot game for everybody. It is, it is. Uh, James Madison had um, I I can't remember her name right now, but shortstop two uh, three run homers against Oklahoma, which is exciting. Uh, yeah, really fun. It's just a fun product. It's it's like. If you took baseball and like wound it up like a wind-up toy and just let it go, it's just everything's fast, everything's quicker. It's like it's really a fun game to watch. I wish the bases were like a little bit further apart. Like five feet? I don't know, but I just wish they were a little further apart. Because it just seems like it's too easy to get from A to B. Like you look up, like the ball's in the gap, and you're like, oh, like is she going to score? And then she's scored already, and I don't know. I mean, I don't know. But, so the thing, the thing, it keeps the it keeps the the short game as at a premium. So if you made the bases longer, you might take away some of the short game stuff. Sure. I'm so, sure the dimensions were made that way on purpose. Like I, I'm just speaking out loud. It's a great. The softball's been awesome. Like I, I enjoy watching the softball. Huge Alabama homer, and by homer I mean like just go Pat Murphy because he's the man. Love that guy. And if NC State were in the tournament, I would be like, go NC State because the Swifts are cool. And if Carlton and UT, uh, which one is it? UTSA. UTSA. Yeah, if they were in the World Series, I'd probably root for that. I wouldn't know who to root for. Root for. It's it's um, amazing how when you have a connection to a program, you just root for them. Root is that weird how that works? No, nah, I mean, you just feel like it's a personal thing. You know, our Coach Murphy to me is obviously a legend and um, – he, you know, obviously the friendship built with him is awesome. I, I, I'm very supportive of his team and the program and the culture that he builds around there too. Um, love what he's doing, love what he's done in the past. And obviously like he stood the test of time. It's, just keeps being relevant and it's, it's hard to do. It's really hard to be that good for that long because um, yeah, other people are trying to take you uh, off the mountain. seems like they're there every year though. So. Yep. Yep. All right. We're gonna do one more topic because I gotta, we gotta get to the airport. Um, so blue Jays have the best answering offense in baseball. We've talked about this quite a bit. It was very prevalent in the, uh, NCAA games that we've been watching the shutdown anti shutdown offense, the ability to answer. Uh, when I coached younger teams, when we had, when I was back in New Hampshire, I was, I coached a group from, I think, 11 or 12 up through 15. Um, one of my biggest messages, messages to them was always respond. Like you get, you get punched, you got to punch back. You got to answer. And then the shutdown, shutdown inning when you score, like so important to, to not let the other team respond. And if you're on offense to always respond. Um, I think the Blue Jays, I think it was 41% of the time they respond, which is, seems like a lot. I don't know. I didn't know they like kept a stat on that, but 41% of the time, it seems like a pretty decent amount. Um, best teams that you've been on, probably the Blue, Blue Jays in uh, 15 was probably a very good responder. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, I think from, a, so when people talk about momentum in baseball, that's what it is really, right? Like the ability to get in back into the dugout after you've scored, and, and go add to your lead or, or try to chip away at, you know, the lead that was built. Um, it's funny, like, I, there's probably a random element to it. Uh, I, I'd be curious to see over the years which offenses have had a tendency to be able to do it the best. Um, I think it's a very telling sign of being a winning baseball team. The Blue Jays are, I think, three games over 500 right now, and – in third place in the NL East, um, like might be hard pressed to make the playoffs. So you hope that that's a reflection of a winning attitude. And obviously I think guys like Vladdy and Bo really like coming into their own as players and starting to establish themselves as players that want to win. Um, 
I think it's a culture thing. I think it's an attitude thing. Um, it could be random, sure. Just like anything else could be random, right? Uh, but I, I definitely think that's a it's, a, it's a telling sign of where they're headed. Um, and, you know, now they just got to pitch the ball a little better, I think, to, to really be okay. And run the bases better. I feel like the Blue Jays run the bases terrible. Like, I always see them, like, every time I watch one of their games, they're really running into an out or doing something stupid. And I'm like, man, if they just didn't give away, like, extra outs. And it, they, it actually got talked about a lot last year, um, how they ran into outs. But um, I think their ability to, to respond to teams will, uh, will definitely bode well for them. Is it, is, it, is it possible to make it tangible? Like, what do you think? I mean, I, I don't know. Like, is it a culture thing? Is it an attitude? Yeah, it's, I feel like it's culture, it's an attitude, it's uh, confidence. I just remember being on, being on teams where you show up to the field expecting to win. Those are the type of teams that will always respond. They, like, it's almost like an energy thing. I've, in, more than anywhere else in my life, I feel like I can read the energy of a baseball game. I, I struggle with it in normal life. Like, I just don't get a feel for it like I do with baseball. It's almost like when, when a run scores in baseball, it's like that energy has been created, and yet the other team has to match it. And then when you score, you've created the energy, but you have to shut it down to keep it with you. It's like a weird kind of ebb and flow type of thing that I just, I've always had like a feel for it with baseball. So the teams that do it well, the teams that do it well, they hold on to that energy. They don't give it away. They don't, that's why I hate when guys get like all excited about stuff. Cause like you're amping up the other, you're giving energy to them too. You're not just hyping up your guys. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a weird situation where I just have always had like a feel for it. Uh, and the better teams just hold it better. Well, you see it in college baseball a lot, right? So Fairfield, certainly a really talented team, but you knew Arizona State was going to challenge in the eighth and ninth, right? Like you just knew it was going to happen. And not because Fairfield's not as good as them or they they couldn't do it, but right? Like I think they needed to live that experience to know that they could go beat them today. And it got they got second and third tonight too, right? In the last inning. Like energy in sports is a real thing. We see it happen – in, in, in college basketball all the time, like the low, the, the high, like the lower seed, meaning the higher ranked team will be behind by like a bunch going into the, like the last stretch. And you see those other teams like usually can't sustain the punch because they're going to throw a punch at some point. Right. It's just, you don't know how hard it's going to be, or if you're going to be able to take it in the chin and then get back up. So, I mean, I, I think there's definitely something to it. And, you know, uh, baseball's, it's an interesting game. It's a, it, it's got its little nuances. And I, I think you're right about the, the energy thing for sure, where you can, you can kind of read it. Like, and I, if you watch the college games, it's so funny because, you know, you see it every night, like you, you see it day in and day out. And like, they, they play emotional baseball games instead of like, you know, it's instead of running the marathon, they run, they try to run sprints. And then when you run sprints, you, you run out of energy pretty quick. You know? Yep. Absolutely. Um, I think that's going to wrap it for us. That was a good episode. Good ranting. Well done. We did it. Pickle out!